I hope you've had a wonderful week so far. If you haven't, I pray that this this time with the word of the Lord and God's people will be a blessing to you, an oasis in the desert of your week. I recognize a couple things um, that you didn't have to be here, and I am grateful that you're, you're here. I will also recognize that there are many wonderful teachers in this church, godly men and women, and I am just honored to be back a second time. I'm thankful for that. I also know something else. I'm talking about baptism, and I, I could imagine almost everyone in this crowd can say to me, Brother Scott, I think I know what that's about. That happened a long time ago. I remember it. Uh, or maybe, you know, in the past month or two, or maybe 20, 30, 40 years. Uh, why are we talking about that? Why don't we talk about something else? Well, I'm going to show you this verse. And when, I see, when you see this verse, you're going to say, oh, okay, now I get it. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, if you have a Bible, or you have a, something that's like a Bible, turn to that. Hebrews 2 and 1, it's not in your notes. You may want to add it to your notes because it's pretty important. It fits. It makes it all work. If you've got it back there, anybody, Sister Lori, I didn't give you that verse. I'm just, I know I'm throwing verses at you, lobbing them at you. Hebrews 2 and 1, are you ready for it? If you've got it, say, I got it. If you don't have a say, I don't got it. Okay, well, I'll wait. oh, now look at that. The Lord then smiled upon you and gave you a verse from on high. See, it's up there on high. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed. That's special attention. Focus attention to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. You see that little slip there? Slip. Hmm. A word comes to my mind. Um, slippage is one of those. Another one is perishable. Slippage is a strange word. It means um, what you expected didn't happen. It can happen in finances. Slippage can be in poll numbers for political people. Slippage, it means it's going down. It could be a sailing term. It's the concept that... Things were expected to be here, and they ended up down here. It could even mean what, what you hoped would happen, you lost slippage. Perishable is another word that you all, everyone knows. Um, perishable usually relates to food, you know, things that are going to perish. Not the stuff that's in cans. I guess that can perish too eventually. But most food is the perishables. Skills, however, can be perishable, and knowledge is definitely perishable. How many of you remember your first job? And do you remember the things that they taught you in that first job? And if you were asked to do it today, could you do it? Oh, boy, it's amazing how fast those skills that we use all the time, like, trickled away. You know? That's how it was. Some of you remember the... um, the little, I can't even think of right now what it's called. It's like a calculator and a typing kind of a situation where you had all the numbers and the plus and the minus and division and equals right there. And you learn in school how to do that without looking. Anybody learn how to do that without looking? You can just type. And then after a while, if you don't use that, it's knowledge you forget. How many of you have been told this story 
by someone, a friend or family member, and you say, I, I forgot that even happened. It's a perishable thing, right? Knowledge is perishable. I remember um, having to learn to use a map for the first time in my life. My father was always of the map, you know, the map club, and uncles were the map club. They folded the maps correctly. They put them away in the glove compartment correctly. If you messed them up, they would get mad and say, you didn't fold it correctly. Evidently, maps had to be folded like, you know, bed sheets the right way. And I remember getting, you know, I was in a desperate situation. I was appraising homes. Back, believe it or not, I know it's shocking, before there was GPS and before you had magic phones that could tell you where to go and what to do, I actually had to look at a map. You ever had one of those really big map books where you turn it to the index and you find, okay, let's see, there's Washington Street right there. It's on page 32 a14. You got to go to 32 and you find A and you go to 14. And what's maddening is Washington Street disappears off this side of the map and it doesn't continue on that side of the map. You got to find the little indicator where that next page is to find Washington Street over there. I did that. I had to learn that. But I, I have gotten so dependent on GPS. First, I used to have the Garmin. Anybody have a Garmin or had a Garmin? Remember those? Yeah. And there was another one too Tom Tom. Tom, Tom, remember that? Yeah. And now it's all on your phone, and you, you can tell your phone where you want to go. And I've gotten so dependent upon that that I, it's like the skill level or the knowledge I used to have just kind of just fell. I remember my mother-in-law, Kathy Huttiger, asking me a question while we were living in St. Louis. Scott, should I, should I take 40, you think, to get out of here to go back to Terre Haute, or 70 this time of day? I looked at her like, Mom, I, I don't even know. I just, I look, I, I get my, I got Waze or, or, or Apple Maps or Google Maps. And I just ask them because, you know, they know about the traffic. She's like, oh, okay, whatever. You know, this generation kind of thing. <laughs> like every generation does that. But isn't that funny how that happens? Knowledge is the same way. It's a perishable skill. That is the answer of why we're talking about baptism. Baptism matters, and we've got to know it for ourselves, understand it, chew it up, eat it, so we can explain it to others, communicate it out of our heart and mouth, okay? We've got to give them more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we let them slip. And one day we wake up saying, remember we talked about baptism? Yeah, I don't remember much about that or why it was important. I know people did it. Seemed like a ritual thing they did. You can find this examples of this in countries where there were great revivals at one time, baptistries built, churches created, and then after a while become just neglected and left. There's a movement right now. I'm not sure what the country I was looking at was Scotland. I think it might have been a movement of buying churches and turning them into everything but a church. Houses, clubs, businesses, etc. It's a strange thing to be in a church that's now a house. I've been in like three or four. It's really weird. I've appraised several of those. Some in St. Louis, some here in Indiana. It's a weird deal. I mean, I, I, called, I called somebody to help. I said, I need help. This is crazy. I'm in a 5,600-foot place that has a 3,000-foot living room. 
I'm telling you, it's weird. It's so weird. And the people that were living there, they were kind of strange anyway. They lived in the back, like, where the, like behind here where the pastor's office used to be. That was their house. And we walked out into the living room, like this massive thing. Like, obviously, this was a church. And they're, like, trying to convert it. So they've got four different little couch things set up. Like, weird deal. I'm thinking, this is weird. How does that happen? Because someone at one time let it slip. It was there, and it just, it just got out of hand. Okay. Now, I, I, I do the same thing I always do about these lessons. I say, God, help me to internalize this message in some way. Speak to me. Let me communicate it. I can read the script that's here. It's so wonderful. That's what Sister um, Melanie has put together. It's wonderful information. But I want you to see some things that the Lord gave me additional to that. So if you have your booklets, we're going to start at the very first key scripture, the most important thing we have to have in our heart and mind. Peter says to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Very important. This is Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And you're encouraged to know this, to read this, to study this, to be able to quote it on your own. Baptism is an essential part of our salvation experience and a public proclamation of our faith in Jesus Christ and our commitment to his kingdom. We are baptized by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ for, and this is very important, we're going to talk about it more later, remission of sins. Because the for matters. If it's just for public confession and announcement, I love Jesus, that would, that would produce a different behavior. Then, there'd be, then it would be reasonable to do that maybe every six months, every three months, or a certain situation because you're just telling people, hey, I'm one of them. But that's not all that it is. It's a part of that. But the Bible says it's for the remission of sins. That matters. That's different. That lends an urgency to it. We identify with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And in baptism, that's the part in Romans 6 and 4 talks about, we are buried with him in baptism. Remember, and real quickly, the Bible says that like he died, we die. How do we die? Not physically. We're not all killing each other. This is a spiritual death, and we start that way by repentance, which is renouncing our old life, renouncing us as being God and control of our life, renouncing us as having had our way for many years and decades, and now we're going to let God have his way. We say, God, I am sorry for the way my life has been. Look how it's turned out with me being in charge. I want to turn my life around and put you in charge. I'm repenting. I intend, Lord, to turn around. Now, God, you know better than me. And what no one else knows, the battles in this head and my life, my hurts, all my past, my bitterness, my failures, people that I've hurt, people that have hurt me, my addictions. I don't know how I'm going to change all this. I know you can, though. So that's not my job. My job is not to make it work all out or, or figure it all out. My job is to come before you and say, Lord, forgive me. I am sorry, and I want to have a different life. And your, your power, you're going to lead me to that. 
Isn't that wonderful? That's a beautiful thing. That's literally what we're doing. Remember that. Repentance is not just I'm sorry. That's the repentance of the world. That repentance leads to sorrow and it leads to death. Why? Because there's no God-centered change. It's I'm sorry. This is horrible. I, I feel horrible. I've destroyed others' lives or my life or I feel I'm filled with shame. Yet, there's no real change, right? Because I'm still in charge. But the repentance of God is a different repentance. And the word says, not to be repented of again. Now, why, why does it say that? Not to be repented of again. Because God's intent is for us to change under his power, guidance, and direction. To lead us in a way where we won't say, I'm sorry for that lifestyle or that life again. Okay? And I hope this is not too blindingly obvious. I just feel like it's so important to, to get that in our heart and mind. That's that death. Jesus died, but he didn't stay on the cross. And his body didn't stay on the ground wrapped in a quilt. No, they took him and buried him. Everybody wants to resurrect. Everybody wants to be with him in the resurrection of his power. Come on, resurrection power. I want some of that business. Come on. Yes, Lord. Resurrection and speaking and miracles and God doing things and me being changed. I want it. But few people want to die. And unfortunately, fewer want to be buried. How do we die? We repent. Well, then how do we bury? The Bible says clearly in those two verses right there, Romans 6 and 4, Colossians 2 and 12, we are buried with him by baptism. Like he went down in baptism waters, so we go down. It's a spiritual burial, not physical. It's a burial of all of our past. It's gone and washed by his blood. It is a faith theme. You can't see it happening here. I've looked a lot of times. You can't see the blood. You can't see the sins moved away. I, I, you know, as a kid, I tried to do a lot of watching to see, you know, where, if, if I could catch it happening. Like, is it moving like a cloud? You can't see it. It's one of those things. But you've got to trust the word that when that person goes down, there's a change when they come back up. Something in this spirit is different. All right. Now, the imagined story is just so fantastically cool. Paul sat on a stone bench, this is Acts 19, at the edge of the well, taking in the feel of Ephesus, such a large city, a busy port. Voices speaking Greek floated to Paul on the breeze as the men and women conducted their business and greeted one another. Suddenly, a word caught his attention, Christos, or Christ, or Messiah. Paul searched for the source. To his left... Under the portico of one of the many public buildings was a group of about 12 men in deep discussion sitting around tables. Paul approached the men. As he neared, he could hear more of the conversation, which left him in no doubt. They were disciples. Paul wasted no time interrupting the men with a question. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Wow, that's a great question. Probably one we all could do well to copy. Naturally, the men were taken back, but a young man with an earnest countenance responded as he spoke for the group. We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. This is new to us. I don't know what you're talking about. Paul smiled at his favorite audience, those hungry for more truth. Unto what then were ye baptized, Paul continued. Okay, stop there. I could probably 
spend the rest of the night right here. I won't. But read that question again. Back, back up again. Unto what then were you baptized? I would not have asked that question. I would ask maybe the question, have you been baptized? Or I may ask the question, well, how were you baptized? I would not have thought unto, unto what then were you baptized? Part of the reason is that I don't speak 1611, you know, the king's English. With the ye's and these and therefores and whyfores and all the good stuff. I don't say that. But even then, there's something in this phrase that I would not have ever said. I would have said, well, have you been baptized? That's my next question. It makes the most sense. You never see the Holy Ghost. So let's back up a step. You're you're way over here wanting the Holy Ghost. Well, let's go to the baptism first. But that's not what he asked. You didn't ask them if they've been baptized. What do you say? Unto what then? Now, I have searched and read. I've read. I've got Marvin Treese's book. If you want to get his books, I think he's passed on now. Marvin Treese, T-R-E-E-C-E. He's got uh, books called Acts 1 and Acts 2. Those are the entire uh, book of Acts just cut in half because it's got so much dialogue. It goes through every word. He um, gives the interpretation of this slightly different. He says, into what? He, he works on that word and finds the background. Into what, then, were you baptized? So, according to Paul, what he's saying is that baptism is more about into what than just something is done. I just do it. It's a ritual thing. I, I, I was there. I asked God to forgive me. They said, you be baptized? I said, sure. There's an into that's connected here. And these men were baptized into John. You see? That matters. They were baptized into the name of John the Baptist. I mean, this was, that was a decade ago. I don't know what happened to them, how they missed all the information. It was a long time since John died. They're still John's disciples. Ten years later, they were baptized into John's name, into John's message, into John's repentance. That was the into they were a part of. So when you're baptized into Jesus' name, you're baptized into his name, into his message, into his power, into his salvation. You're not just baptized and they said, Dame Jesus over you. No, there's an into that you get into by them saying the name of Jesus over you and you're baptized in faith. Isn't that amazing? Wow, I love that. When I read that, I thought, oh, I, I see that that's something different than what we see how it slips over time. We get the slippage. Here it is. Here's the perishableness. We start it with what were you baptized into and we kind of lose over time. Like, are you baptized or not baptized? We miss it that there is something to be a part of. There's a name to have on. There's a change in us. We're into something. After their baptism, what did they become? They became John's disciples. They did not become just baptized, right? They became like a part of a group. They became a known thing. They became an entity. We are John's disciples. Well, how can you prove that? Well, we repented like John preached, and we are baptized into John. So you're Jesus' disciples. Oh, really? Okay. What about what he preached? Well, he preached repentance, yeah. 
We were baptized into Jesus, and now we receive the gift he said is available, the Holy Ghost, with the evidence to speak with other tongues. Now we are a group. We're a part of a body. We are his disciples. Not just some floating nebula going in and out and part. Oh, I got baptized. I do this. I do that. There's something about it where you're in two. In that, that's just, I don't know, maybe you all are not getting this or excited, but I am. I love this. I think it's fantastic. It's beautiful. So, when they responded to John's baptism, Paul explained, John, he said, baptized with the baptism of repentance. See, that was a kind of baptism. He baptized them. I don't know what he said. But I can only imagine whatever he said was, I'm baptizing you into repentance. But he, but he did say this part, that they should believe on him, which should come after John, that is on Messiah, Jesus Christ, Jesus. So that quickly shifted things. The men wanted to be baptized, re-baptized. Hold on, you were already baptized 10 years ago. No, that was into John. We wanted to be baptized into Jesus. And they, this whole group went over. They got, got into the pool. Paul baptized them. As soon as they came out, around 12 men, Paul laid his hands on their head, began to pray with, for them or just speak over them, and they began to speak in tongues and began to prophesy. They were worshiping and worshiping and worshiping. Wow, that's amazing. That's beautiful. That's the power of being baptized into that name. Now, you heard me when we were praying before we started, and you probably heard every, every kind of preacher and pastor and evangelist that, of all sorts of churches. They end their prayers mostly the same way. They ask all these things in Jesus' name. Why do they do that? Why is that part of everything? Because that name is powerful. That name is holy. Acts 4 and 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That name has significance and meaning and power, but it's not just a name to, to you know, have a, on a picture at home or something that I, we talk about. It's a name to be baptized into and therefore belong to. Wow, that's beautiful. Now, I want to take you, and I know I've done this before. Don't tell such a shock. Let's go outside the lesson for a minute. <laughs> I'll come back, I promise. Let's go outside the lesson. We're going to go to another scripture. We're in Psalms 106. Psalms 106. If you've got a Bible, grab it and read it with me. Uh, if not, uh, maybe Sister Lori can put it on the screen. I know I'm asking a lot. I apologize. Psalms 106. So here we go. This is one of those Psalms that they, I'm reading the New King James, but you can read it in the King James or whatever version you have. It's fine. We mostly have the same, same understanding. Praise the Lord, the psalmist says. And I'm not sure who wrote this one. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Aren't you glad for his mercy that endures forever in church, out of church, when you're up, when you're down, before you even knew the Lord, how his mercy endures forever? Anybody thankful that his mercy endures forever in your life? I know I need it. I need it. I'm thankful for it. Who can, who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can declare all his praise? 
Blessed are those who keep justice and he who does righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor you have for your people. Oh, visit me with your salvation that I may see the benefit of your chosen ones, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory with your inheritance. We have sinned with our fathers. This is verse 6. And this is a uh, honesty. This is a confession. This is a time of being real with God. This is, this is really what intercession is all about. It's not repentance. It's about me. God, forgive me. Intercession is standing between others and God and taking on their sins with me and saying, we have sinned. Who's the we you're talking about? We're talking about myself and all these people. that may, They're not even praying, but it doesn't matter. I'm praying for them. I'm praying in their stead. I'm praying for me and them. God, forgive us. We've sinned. We've committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. Ooh, this is not just a little slip. This is not just a few days messing up. This is a lifetime of people filled with hands of innocent blood, people that have done wickedly before God. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember the multitude of your mercies. They rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Wow, they rebelled everywhere. Nevertheless, he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make his mighty power known. What? Hold on. Stop right there. Back it up a little bit. That's my sound effect for like the, you know, the person backing up. Sorry. <laughs> I thought I'd make sense of that in case you're wondering what sounds I'm making up here. In my mind, that's like I can see the car like backing up. Okay, sorry. That was, you know, I don't know if that's appropriate or not. There it is. Nevertheless, <laughs> he saved them for his name's sake. Whoa, wait a minute. God, go back, go back, go back. Wickedly, iniquity. Sinned, rebelled, did not remember. That's a lot of heavy accusations. That's a lot of mess up. That's horrible. That you did good things for them and they didn't remember? And they they were wicked and they didn't understand and they didn't listen and they were horrible? Nevertheless, he saved them for his namesake? Wow. Be nice to be a part of that family. I mean, you know. Not saying that we should go out and do evil and be wicked, but to know that God works still in spite of us, that'd be great. Now, I I know, everybody knows this. Um, Unfortunately, in the world, there are unjust measures. The Bible calls it unjust weights, where everybody is guilty except for those who, you know, well, their mom and daddy is powerful in the community or they're rich. Or they're a celebrity, and, you know, they only get a couple of days in jail because, well, you know, they're, they're important people. The, the world, the ungodly, know that's wrong and say that's evil. And God said he hates it. God hates unjust weight. God says he hates unjust measurements. You are measured like this because you're poor and you can't afford anything, and you're going to sit in jail for three months. Oh, you have money? Oh, you can get out today. God hates that. That's how the ways of man are. But all of us know that there are some names that are really strong, big names. I'll never forget, I was a kid, and I remember August Bush the 4th or whatever, they all had August Bush, like way down the line, 
20 years old, got caught flying around the city of St. Louis 140 miles an hour, had a DUI, was arrested, was immediately out on bail, and then he seemed to never serve any time. Something was worked out. And the whole community is like, well, of course, you know, this is August Bush, who at that time owned the St. Louis Cardinals and Bush Gardens and all that stuff. Obviously, his boy, you know, he's going to find a way out. I mean, that stinks. As a kid, I thought, well, I wish I could be in that kind of family, you know. Not that I want to do bad things and I didn't have a car that could go 80 miles an hour, much less 140. But, you know, I'd like to be able to get out of a few things, a ticket or here or two. That'd be nice. There's some things in life that, unfortunately, it's not who you know. It's who you are. You have to be born into it. It's just how it is. However, I've got good news for you and me. This is the beauty of this situation. You see this? He saved them for his namesake. God is known for doing things like that. He said about the city of Jerusalem, I put my name there. Now, yes, they have had wicked times, and God judged them for it. But he still put his name there. God said about the people, follow me, and I'm going to bless you. Rebel against me, I'm going to bring judgment on you. But still, I put my name there. Can you imagine getting into that kind of a club, exclusive club, only a club where you have to be born into? That's what I'm talking about tonight. Baptism is getting the name of Jesus on your life and mine. So when the Lord looks at you, he says, I put my name there. My name is on them. You see that girl? My name's on her. See that boy? That's my name on them. That family right there? I have my name on them. That doesn't give me carte blanche to sin and, and leave God. But still, in spite of my mistakes and failures, my, his name is on me. What a powerful, amazing thing. And who would not want his name applied to their life? I am baptized into that name. Mm, I love that. I love it. There's something that changes when I am baptized. It changes from just being me to now being a part of that heavenly family. I am got that name in my life. Mm, somebody say amen. That's, that's something awesome. I, I would talk to a pastor in Columbia, Missouri, and he said that um, there was this young lady from the college there that he tried to explain to her that when you are baptized, in Jesus' name, it's, it's like you're marrying Jesus, like you're getting into the baptistry, and you are, you're taking on his name. It's like getting married. Like when you get married, you take on someone's name, you're taking on his name just the same way. He must have underscored the point too much, and she was a little off, that's true. I had probably too much drugs in her past. So when she came to get baptized, she had rented a wedding dress. And that was really amazing. He said he didn't know what to do. He was the one who said it. So he just took her in the water and baptized her in the wedding dress. She came up, and she, I'm married to Jesus. And she was, she was married to Jesus. And I thought, wow, that, even though that's funny and weird, that's still kind of the, the mental image of what happens to us when we take on the name. All right, I better get back to the lesson or I'll get big in big trouble. So New Testament baptism was always by immersion. We'll find these throughout the Bible. There's various forms of the word baptize. They occur throughout the King James, the New Testament. They're all translated from the same Greek verb. Baptizo means to immerse, submerge, to be fully wet, um, a ceremonial 
baptism, and it means to put underneath or to dip under. We find this of John's baptism in Matthew 3, 6, and we're baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. John 3, 23, and John also baptized in Anion near Salem because there was much water there. That's important. Why, why does it matter there's much water there? Because they didn't get sprinkled. They didn't get a touch. They went under. The baptism of Jesus in Matthew 3, 13, verse 16, then come with Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John, be baptized of him. And John and Jesus, rather, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God ascending like a dove and lighting upon him. And the day of Pentecost, Peter said, we read this one already in Acts 2, 38, repent and be baptized every one of you, there's something singular about that. Not families, not groups, not, you know, dad, God, so we're all okay. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost by the disciples. Acts chapter 8, verse 36 to 39. As they went on their way, they came to a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Now, stop there just a minute and think about this. We don't know what Philip said. I'd like to know what he said. It'd be fun to know what he said, but I don't know what he said. So the Bible says that Philip was moved by the Holy Ghost, urged on to go and join himself to this chariot. There was this man who was a eunuch, uh, Ethiopian man, in a chariot reading a scroll. And Philip came near him and said, you know what you're reading? He says, how can I understand this? Lest some man show me. So he Asked Philip to hop up in. Philip hopped in the chariot. And they're talking about Isaiah 53. And we don't know what Philip said. But something he said communicated baptism. Now, you know, Philip did not go to Acts because he's in Acts. He didn't go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They weren't written. All he has is the Old Testament. But using the Old Testament and using that chapter, he's communicating to him, you need to be baptized. Now, if baptism was something fine to do, but not important to do right now, if there was no urgency, he would have got baptized when he got back home. What did the man say instead? Here, there's water right here. What's stopping me from being baptized? That's urgency. You'll find this throughout the Bible. Paul and Silas are in prison. They could have had a great prison escape. The Lord broke all the shackles off, but they didn't leave. And the jailer was going to kill himself. Paul stopped him and said, we're all here, we're all here. And the man came in trembling, fell down before them. Paul and Silas talked to the jailer and his whole family about the gospel message. They repented. They were baptized that same night. Why? They could have waited until later if it's not that important. No, baptism is urgent. You'll find urgency in all different passages of the Bible over and over and over again. You need to be baptized right now. What did he say to Paul, or Saul, rather, when he came and prayed for him? Ananias was there, and the scales dropped, as it were, from Paul's eyes. He could see. He says, arise. Why tarryest thou, or why are you waiting? Get up and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Go get baptized right now. You understand? There's urgency. I think I have... If there's anything about this lesson that's got a hold of me other than the points I've already talked about is that, wow, there's an urgency that we sometimes don't catch. 
It's, it's a right now matter, according to the Bible. Amen. In Acts 16, um, they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. They just talked about that verse. That same hour of the night, he washed with his stripes, was baptized, he went all this straight way. Acts 19.5, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When they heard it, they were baptized. And that's something that's important for our friends and family. Here's the work of the enemy. Jesus said it himself. The seed is sown, and the birds come and grab the seed before it has a chance to get in. Now, he likened the birds to the enemy. Remember that? He likened the birds to the devil. It's funny the Lord never chased birds in that story. Hmm. Seemed like that would make sense. Let's get rid of all the birds. He didn't do that. He talked about the soil. And one of the things that they did in this passage was as soon as they heard it, they were baptized right away. No, no waiting around. Let's not think about it later. Let's not make sure you're okay. Because there's sometimes people can talk themselves out of things. They can feel the move of the Lord. They can see it and then somehow lose it. We know how that is. The enemy can take it right away from them. Acts 22, I just quoted that one to you about Ananias. So why do we do it? Baptism is essential for salvation. Mark 16, 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. John 3 and 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, if you read Acts chapter 10, Cornelius was in Acts chapter 10. He was an um, Italian man, a, a centurion of the Roman army. The Bible says in Acts 10 and 2, he was a good man. He was devout. He served the community. He gave a lot of money to the people and tried to help people out. And was a man of prayer. Yet still, God orchestrated for Peter to come to his house, for Simon Peter to speak to him. The Holy Ghost fell and Simon Peter actually said, can any man forbid water that these should be baptized? They received the Holy Ghost like we did. So he commanded them to be baptized. Wow, that's some strong words. Commanded them to be baptized. It's important to understand. There are good people, people that give, people that pray, people that do good things, and those are all wonderful. That, in no way am I diminishing those. Yet still, that salvation message must come to their house. Amen. It's easy to be lulled to sleep. Remember what I said last week? It's very important. There's no such thing as godless goodness. There's no such thing as godless goodness, at least over time. I mean, at the moment it looks like it. I mean, there's a guy that I read about recently, a good man, a good, some even call him a good Christian man. He designed his world, his business, in such a way to be not offensive to anyone. He didn't want to have any Christianity or any Judaism or any temples. He wanted to be just without all that. Not that he wanted to be offensive. He just didn't want anybody to think about it or worry about it. So his business plan was to have fun, entertainment, and a great situation, and people being kind to each other, but not including church or God of any sort. That's how he started. There's a, good, there's a godless goodness. Even though in his heart, he wasn't like that. Okay? Now... Imagine that man coming back to life today and seeing the, the company he created, Walt Disney, demanding that kindergartners be trained and told about how to be transgender. Yeah. 
Let me tell you right now, it may seem like it's okay right now, but godless goodness will always slide, slip, and fall to a place you never thought it would be. The enemy will come to your mind and say, they're good people. They love God. They, you know, they do their own thing, but they don't know about baptism, but they're still, they, they pray and they give good things. The message from the word is, everyone has to hear this. They've got to be baptized in his name, not their own. Hearing what I'm saying? Okay, I hope you're getting it. <laughs> All right, so here we go. 1 Peter 3.21 the like figure we're into, or here's a good comparison, even baptism doth also now save us. Not getting clean, not getting, you know, all the soap and washing your body, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Repentance, baptism, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost provide us with a personal identification with the gospel message of Jesus Christ as death, burial, and resurrection. Okay. There are nine times in the Bible of baptizing in Jesus' name. We'll find Peter and the disciples and 3,000 new believers. That's Acts chapter 2. Philip and the believers in Samaria. That's Acts chapter 8. Ananias, Saul, and Roman disciple. That's Acts chapter 9. Acts 22 and Romans 6. Cornelius and his entire household. Acts 10. Roman believers, Acts chapter 6. Corinthian believers, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and first six, or chapter 6. rather. Galatian believers are in Galatians chapter 3. The Ephesian disciples in Acts chapter 1. Colossian believers in Colossians chapter 2. Remember this. It's easy to forget this one too. The only time you'll find the salvation message or the salvation um, act- activity happening is in the book of Acts. All those books after that, from Romans on up to um, the, the epistles, were written to churches, cities, towns, and individuals that had already been through Acts. They had already come through repentance and baptism in his name, receiving the Holy Ghost. Okay? Many times people get confused and they say, well, what about Romans or what about this or what about that? That's okay, you understand, these people have already come through. We're talking to them about life, and, and Paul's giving them direction about certain things, and some things come across as, well, this is an easier way, they just believe, and they're saved, you misunderstand. They already came through this. you got to get that point. If the, if the setting's wrong, you'll be confused and think, well, there's a alternate ways to be saved, and there's not. How do we do it? New Testament baptism after the resurrection was always in Jesus' name. We know Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 8, when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Then the verse says that later on, Peter and John came and prayed for them. For as yet he, the Holy Ghost, was not was yet fallen upon not falling upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So we understand from that concept that baptism is a singular event separate from the event of receiving the Holy Ghost. Many people have an understanding that when they get baptized, they get the Holy Ghost. And you ask them when or how did you know? Well, I just was baptized. I felt something. I got the Holy Ghost. 
that, that feeling is awesome. That's godly. It's in the Word. Receiving the Holy Ghost, as found in that chapter, is a separate occurrence. It's an event. And in two chapters later, it's an event that you can mark and know as Peter and the disciple, the men that came with him, the Jews that came with him, who were struggling with the idea whether these Gentiles, that's Cornelius' house, the, the Italian uh, household, whether they could get the Holy Ghost, they knew they got it. How could they know if you only get it when you're baptized? Because they hadn't been baptized yet. They knew it because they saw them and saw them speak with tongues. Now, speaking in tongues is a sign of the Holy Ghost, not the Holy Ghost. You receive the Holy Ghost, and as a result, you speak in tongues. Just like Jesus said, wind blows to the trees. You can't see the wind where it's coming, but you see the result. The leaves move, and they shake, and you hear the sound. He said, so is everyone that's born of the Spirit, right? So baptism is an is a event. You can get the Holy Ghost at the same time you're baptized. That's true. But hold, the Holy Ghost is a separate situation, separate baptism. All right. Where are we going to now? Um, we know the Bible says, Colossians 3.17, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Unfortunately, people do, I count at one time, probably 31, 32 things in the name of the Lord Jesus, including getting married, um, burying their dead, praying for services, all the things people do, everything in their life, pray, pleading the blood of Jesus over their life. Unfortunately, many of them do not baptize in the name of Jesus. Shockingly, you're going to in your every prayer in Jesus' name, but when they get baptized, you won't say his name. We are, we are buried into his name. What does it do? Baptism brings remission of sins. Now, this is the one that I struggle with the most. So, Lord, how, how is it different from repenting to the remission? What is that about? And repentance is an about face. It's a change. It's a decision. It's my activity saying, God, I am going to do this with your help. I am changing. Remission means release, to be set free to, uh, for, the, for the, the things that were binding me before to be taken away. Remission is something God does when I am, when I am baptized. Paul said it like this, like as the entire... Israeli, Israeli tribe, all the people were known by one major thing. They were known by circumcision of all their boys. That was their distinction, a mark of distinction. In the same way, we are all, men and women, are circumcised spiritually when we're in that water. Something is cut away from us. What is it cut away? It's the body of sins, all of our past, all of this stuff. It's as though God does a supernatural surgery in the water, and you arise with a complete remission of sins. Wow, I love that. Why wouldn't anyone be baptized understanding those things? That's beautiful. What did Jesus promise in Luke chapter 24? He said, no, this is going to happen. He prophesied it. And repentance and remission of sins will be preached in his name, talking about himself, among all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. Did that happen? It did. Look, just a short time later, Acts chapter 2, he's preaching. Not Jesus, but Peter. Repent. That's repentance. You can check it back and forth. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the, and there it shows up again, remission of sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You'll get it. Acts 10. 
to give him, give all the prophets witness, that through his name, what, whosoever believeth him shall receive a remission of sins. Acts 22. And now why are you tarrying? Why are you wait? Arise and be baptized, washing away your sins. There's that remission again. Calling on the name of the Lord. Romans 3.25. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. To declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. Through the forbearance of God. Wow. Here's a, 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 something I want to read to you from, our, from the teaching notes from E.L. Hawley. The purpose of baptism is clearly stated. It is for, in order to obtain, the remission of sins. Jesus said his blood was shed for many for the remission of sins, Matthew 26. Clearly, he shed his blood in order to obtain remission of sins for many. Anyone who suggests that we're baptized because we already have remission of sins would, in order to be consistent, be forced to say Jesus shed his blood because we already have remission of sins. Peter preached that through his name, whosoever believeth in him should receive remission of sins, Acts chapter 10. This statement introduces us to the correct formula for water baptism. It tells us whoever receives remission of sins and the means by which remission of sins is received, that is in the name of Jesus Christ. Clearly, the correct formula for water baptism is one that uses the name of Jesus. Every recorded baptism supports this truth. Wow. We are dealing with something that's so powerful and so wonderful if we realize what the Lord is doing in baptism and through our lives. It, it, it is an amazing thing. Now, I know um, many people, um, some of my own family included, were baptized young when they were very young and felt like they didn't understand it and want to be baptized again later. That's fine. It's okay. But the Bible does not suggest that that's necessary. And the Bible does not suggest that knowledge, a whole lot of it, is necessary. We want to ask people, why are you getting baptized? Because I don't want someone to get baptized because it's the thing to do, or they feel pressured, or they just want to be part of the baptism club, you know, and get your piece of paper and put it on the wall with all the other cool cats and all that stuff. No, we want them to understand a little bit, but every one of you, plus me, you would say, there are things I did not understand then that I understand now. Is that true? Okay. I mean, for me, it's easier because I was five years old. I didn't understand very much at all. I just knew I should do it because Sunday school teacher said it. Mom and dad wanted to do it, and I prayed, got the Holy Ghost. They said to be baptized, so I was baptized. So think about the first time. Go way back. Here we have the disciples who are not baptized and you have 3,000 people who want to get baptized, and a, and a total of 120 that were believers there praying. Everybody was baptizing. And were they all baptized first and then baptized others? Others, I don't want to know. Maybe they did. We know at the turn of the century in the 1900s, people were baptizing others in Jesus' name because they asked for it, and the person that baptized them wasn't sure if they believed that was important or not. We put a lot of criteria on the baptizer. Our pastor has correctly changed that by saying, hey, if you, you're bringing your disciple to the Lord, you baptize him. You know, baptize him into me anyway. Who's worthy? The Lord is worthy. It's his blood, not anyone else's, right? That makes complete sense. What, what's happening in that water is not that the water is special. I mean, I have very few occurrences in my life with holy water. 
just a couple. Um, I remember going to a Catholic uh, uh, wedding with my mom and my brother. Uh, we were really young. I don't know, 10 or younger. And uh, we were splashed around at the back. And mom said, you can't do that. That's holy water. And I said, oh, I, I know. I thought water was water. No, it's evidently not. And then we, um, we were sitting in the pews. And like these incredible footrests came down. And Jeff and I were just like relaxing and having a great time. Mom said, do not do that. Those are for kneeling for prayer. It's like, this church has got all kinds of weird features. I never have in our church. I want more of those features. So I don't really know what to do with holy water. I don't know what that's like or how it works. I do know that water is normal water. That's probably Sealyville water. It's not even blessed. No one comes and prays a prayer over it, sprinkles oil, olive oil on it. So what is happening what is happening there is there is a spiritual action happening. And, and I, I would love to see it. Part of it is our faith. But I would, I, I'd put the majority of it on his name and not as much on my faith. What do I have faith for as a five-year-old? What do you have faith for when you were lost and you came in and you said, yeah, I want to be baptized? You may not have had much faith. The, the, the onus, the strength of this agreement is on the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I, I, feel like, I feel like what Peter and John said to the crowd applies here. Everyone gathered to run around to look at them. They were so excited. There was this guy, everyone called him the lame man. Matter of fact, after he was healed, his name still was the lame man, <laughs> which seems incredibly inappropriate. Hey, that's a lame man. He's not the lame man. I know, but that's a lame man. That's what we called it forever. Your name was a lame man. You're done. And he was standing with Peter and John. They're all there. And what does Peter say that seems so strange? He said, why are you all looking at us as though by our own power or holiness? Now, those are important things. The power of God or the separation from the world. Those matter. But why are you looking at us like by our power or our holiness we've made this man to walk? The reason why this man is standing is because of, ready for it? That name, the name of Jesus, and faith in his name hath made this man strong, whom you all see in the presence of you all. Wow. Stand with me right now. Lift up a prayer, a praise, your hands right now to that name, Lord. I want to be one of those in your name. I want to be one of those that belong to your name. When our world slides into craziness, even anarchy, Lord, even distance from what even the moral boundaries, I want to be one of those of the name of Jesus. I've been baptized into your name. I'm no longer mine. I'm no longer my own, Lord. I don't even belong to my, even the Harpo family or my, or the Italian family or my German ancestry or whatever that may be, Lord. I belong to you. I belong to the name of Jesus. I'm not longer my own little, my own little God directing my own life. I'm not in charge of me, Lord. It's you, God. You're the king of my life. It's your name that I've been baptized into. Your name, Lord, is powerful. Your name is holy. At your name, Lord, demons tremble. At the mention of your name and your faith in your name, Lord, sicknesses, Lord, can be 
completely fall away and healing can come. At the mention of your name, Lord Jesus, lives can change. What is impossible to man changes in your name. In the name of Jesus, we pray and believe and have faith and call. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, over our families, I speak that name. We are people of the name. We are going to take back that heritage, Lord. We're going to take back that idea. We are people of the name of Jesus. And when you see us, you see your name. You say, I put my name there. I will do it for my namesake. I will heal them for my namesake. I'm going to recover their sons and daughters for my namesake. I'm going to call those who are in darkness into my marvelous light for my namesake. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, your name is so powerful, Lord. Whether it's whispered or shouted, you hear your name. Oh, Lord, the person in this building that feels like they're the weakest in their life right now, the most struggle from their relationship with God, can call on your name right now and just say, Jesus, help me. And you hear them, Lord. You're right there with them at this very moment. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, church, just take, just take a few seconds right now. Call on that name. Just someone just whisper it out. If it's all you can do, whisper it name, Jesus. Jesus, you see where I'm at right now, Lord. You hear me and you know where I'm at, Lord. You understand my situation. Your name is so holy. I'm going to, I'm going to try it on right now. Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I call the name over my family. I call your name over my children in the name of Jesus Christ. I call your name over those that are hurting and lost their way in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, somehow you make your word to make, to shine. I don't know how you do that. You do, Lord. You get glory, Lord. I'm thankful for your word tonight. I thank you for it. I pray you bless these people, Lord. Let your spirit go with them. Let there be the Holy Ghost working in their lives, I pray. Cover them and keep them, I pray. Protect them, Lord, from the wickedness of this world. I plead your blood upon them in the name of Jesus Christ.